0: I'm Kate Northrup.
1: And I'm Mike Watts. And we're partners in life, love, and business.
0: Welcome to the Kate and Mike Show, where we share insights and interviews on entrepreneurship, relationships, parenting, self-actualization, and making a life, not just a living. Hi, welcome to the Kate and Mike Show. This is Kate.
1: This is Mike.
0: Today's episode is one that has been brewing, I think, for a really long time. And it's so interesting because Mike and I are usually pretty in sync. I think we we work on being synced up and we work on making our connection stronger. But I will say oftentimes we have ideas around a similar time and just one or the other of us says it first. And so this time it was you who said it first when we were talking about what we should do the podcast on this week. You said, how about alcohol? and sobriety. And I personally have been following a lot of folks questioning our cultural relationship with alcohol online, and I'll share who they are throughout the episode, I'm sure. But last week, I listened to Melissa Hartwig Urban's new podcast, Do The Thing, with Holly Whitaker. And Holly and Melissa have been Instagram friends of mine for a bit, Holly for longer, and the episode was about sobriety and a different approach to recovery than the one that's sort of like the only option, which is either go into a tree uh, rehab treatment center, which most people can't afford to do. Were you
1: about to say treehouse?
0: I was not <laughs> No, I was doing a combo of treatment and rehab, which most people can't afford to do because they have to still work their jobs, or to do AA, which, you know, I've never done AA. There's beautiful work being done in the rooms and 12-step work, and it doesn't work for everybody. And so it was a really interesting conversation. So I highly recommend going to listen to Melissa Hartwig-Urban's new show, Do The Thing, I've been listening to several episodes, but also it spurred in my head. I was like, you know what? This is a conversation that I really want to have with Mike on the Kate and Mike show because I'm not really a drinker. I never have been. And I'll talk more about why. But Mike has a very different story with alcohol and substances in general. And I think you have a pretty remarkable story with substances and alcohol specifically. So... I'm going to ask you some a couple of questions, and then I'll, of course, share as well. But is there anything you want to say as preamble to this conversation?
1: What's a preamble?
0: A preamble is something you say before you actually start. Like, it's like intro.
1: Oh. Um,
0: Like, the preamble to the Declaration of Independence is... <laughs> we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility... Provide for the common defense, protect the general welfare, and provide the blessings of liberty for our country and our prosperity. Do ordain and establish this United States of America, which is from Schoolhouse Rock.
1: That was amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Everyone else, slow clap. Applaud, Kate. That was amazing okay <laughs> how do we kick it off there that was a good end of the day though I have to say we're re- this is a nighttime episode
0: this is an after bedtime episode. we are
1: uh, what a day I have to say let's just uh, I'm just gonna dissect the day this is my preamble into this conversation we are doing the do or we're doing your the live streams of your workshop by the
0: time this episode comes out they will be over
1: yep so
0: that's however fine. mm-hmm the day this episode goes live, people can still get them by getting the Do Less Immersion. Right. Because it's a bonus. That's correct. So, you, if you're interested in that, just go over to katenorthup.com forward slash course.
1: Yes, that's correct. So, katenorthup.com forward slash course. There
0: wasn't much of a pitch, um,
1: <laughs> that's fine. No, no, we can, we can close it out if we want to. I'll close something.
0: it out with a stronger pitch.
1: Any, well, ju- the Do Less Immersion, basically, just to sum it up, is a work. It goes along with the Do Less book and it's kind of workshop of the book so you're you're implementing the strategies of the book live is that correct nope oh okay
0: the workshop leading up to the do less immersion was a deeper dive into a lot of the concepts in the book and then the course itself so the free workshop was a deeper dive into the into the stuff that's in the book the course itself is the stuff that didn't make it into the book because I've either learned it or practiced it or realized it or gotten data on it since the book came out. And it's some of the stuff that just didn't make it in the book because you can't put everything in a book.
1: Got it. Okay. Well, I was wrong. Anyway, we're doing the live version of this, which is really fun. But today was day number one. I was a basket case all day, making sure the live stream was set up and working correctly. And I've tested it like three times. But as I was, I've tested it way more than three times to make sure everything was working correctly. And then I went to test it today and nothing would would work. And then I was like, okay, crap. And then I was like, okay, we got to figure it out. So, and I was always worried about the live stream shutting down, which it ended up did once. So, it won't, I don't think it'll happen tomorrow. I think we're good. I think I got that out of my system. And, uh, but overall successful, I have to say. It came off, it was really great. The attendees really enjoyed it. And uh, then Kate, uh, we got done with that, got the replay out. And uh, Kate left to go to the YDC or our daycare's board meeting. And then the kids decided to cry basically from the time Kate walked out the door until about 10 minutes ago. So that went on for a good two and a half hours. One of the children was crying repeatedly.
0: Honey, I was not gone for two and a half hours. I was gone for about an hour and 15 minutes
1: no so but you who, are... no but nope but then penelope i'm not exaggerating penelope just so it wasn't two and a half hours but penelope has basically been crying since the time you walked out the door so you left at five fifty. she, she just went to bed 7 30 yeah so that's like two it hours. may
0: have felt like two and a half hours but it was more like an hour and a half
1: it was longer than okay. that okay uh anyway <laughs> time is irrelevant right it's all what we make it up to be or something (laughs) like that that's concept of chapter 16 in kate's book yep Mm -hmm. i don't think there's a chapter 16 there's not i don't think so either no that's why i said chapter. anyway so back to the alcohol conversation no i think substances like i'm happy to talk and share about everything there's a lot of stuff that kate doesn't know there's a lot of stuff what's up mom that my mother doesn't know that she's about to learn about and i'm happy to talk about it so let's go you said you had questions so let's just dive in
0: well i want to know what was your relationship with alcohol like like when did you start drinking and can you just talk to me about your relationship with alcohol up until you were about 28
1: yeah so even before that because i so i stopped drinking in 2013
0: yeah so let's have it be known that mike is sober
1: yeah, it's so funny because I never say that.
0: You know what? I say that only because Well, it's people understand
1: true. it, right? And
0: it's also a lexicon. Yeah, yeah it's a word that people understand because when you say, so I just want to also say when somebody says I don't drink, so I don't drink.
1: There's a lot of people that say they don't drink or they don't drink a lot, but they actually drink more than they think they do.
0: I really don't. This is drink. I might drink an entire drink over the a year. Yes, like we're talking. If I order a glass of wine, it happens like once every five years. If I have a glass of wine at a party, I'll usually take a sip.
1: Yeah, I can explain your drinking. We went to our wedding, and you drank a quarter of the our wedding. They made a cocktail for our wedding, and you drank like
0: what was it? It had I forget the name now.
1: It's in the book upstairs because
0: we had a road trip themed wedding. And the cocktail was themed. I can't remember. But you drank
1: like a quarter of it and that was it. That's all you had at the wedding.
0: And then I lost my beverage and I never thought about it again.
1: And we, so yeah, you don't, you are someone that will have a beverage very rarely, most of the time at a wedding or if you're out to dinner with friends, but it's very rare.
0: And I can talk more about my relationship with alcohol later. But the reason I refer to you as sober is because you don't drink And historically, you have had a problem with alcohol.
1: Yeah. So I stopped drinking. It was basically February, I want to say, of 2013. And I can explain. Is that right? I have no idea. When was Gabby's New Year's party?
0: No, Gabby's New Year's party was in 2012. It was was the year from 2011 to 2012. So
1: it's been 2012 is the last time. And then the last time I smoked weed was in 2011. And that was in Colorado. So, but before that was like, I probably a year and a half or so before that. And so the last time I've done any other harder drugs besides weed or marijuana or cannabis now, right? There's the, we're, we're classing up the terms as marijuana becomes legalized in the United States. We are, everyone is, it's so funny to listen to people talk about this stuff now, but it's, yeah. So that is basically like, I was in a very avid, I started when I was 16 years old. And I remember going to my very first party to drink alcohol. It was Gatorade and vodka out of bottles. And it was at my buddy Scott's house in his basement. There was probably like 12 of us or something all hanging out. And I would, I all I remember is like basically crawling to the bathroom because I had to pee like every hour, like not even it felt like every five minutes I was just crawling back and forth. I was totally drunk and I couldn't walk and I was crawling back and forth to the bathroom to where we were hanging out. And the first time I ever smoked pot was at the Tom Petty concert in Indianapolis. So I was also about probably 16, 17 years old at that time. So then from there, uh, I went on from 16 to 28. I went to college, like we had a pretty, really, we partied a lot in high school. Like we drank a lot, we would stay at friends' houses and we'd sleep over at their places and we would throw parties there was parents that were involved in situations where they just let these go on there was and that just happened you know we were partying with parents as high school kids and that's what took place and then i went to college and pretty much like that was a crazy crazy experience i graduated with two degrees but really my major was in socializing and throwing parties and having fun should we talk about all the other stuff
0: it's completely up to you oh
1: okay i'll talk about all the stuff anyway so then i started selling drugs and i started selling drugs my freshman year in college and that went on until my senior year and i actually was in school for five years because i changed my major and then double majored and
0: do you think being in college five years had anything to do with how much you were partying
1: no oh okay the only the only reason yes is because I did really bad my fresh my first semester freshman year, so I ended up flunking a class because I took calculus in high school, and then so they the guidance counselor told me that I think I got like an F and I had like a one point eight or something after my freshman year soft or my freshman first semester or something like that it was really low it was like two one or something and it's because I flunked a class and I got a C in another class. Like I was in classes. I should not have been in because it was too hard and I didn't know you could drop classes. I didn't know that was a thing. And so I just went to the classes and ended up failing, you know, and just took an F and I got in a huge fight with my dad about the whole thing. So I just, yeah, but I ended up starting, I mean, it's possible, like really it all went together, but the reality was like, I was in over my head with this education. I ended up taking like a, I was in a sophomore level calculus class as a first semester freshman. And I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I just had no idea. It was going very fast and I didn't understand it. So then I ended up starting and so what ended up happening is we were there was a bunch of people on our floor that we would smoke weed smoke pot together and we would just go out and have fun and then we ended up I met a dealer who would get pounds of weed at a time and he asked me if I wanted to because we were giving it to all of our friends and we were getting bags and eights for all of them and so basically it works in eighths and like eights and ounces and pounds it's kind of how you talk about what you want to buy And so then I just started doing that. And I started (laughs) selling weed out of my dorm room. And then my roommate would steal it from me. And we caught him one day in my freshman year. So that was, that went down. And then that continued into living in a house with multiple people, all selling drugs out of the house, multiple run-ins with the police. Then we moved in throwing massive keggers. Like people from my high school would go home to Valpo where I grew up. And they would tell my parents that they were at my house partying last weekend. So I don't know what's up with people, but I don't, I never understood that. It's like they would go home to their parents' house and then tell my parents they're at my house partying. So of course my parents would call me and be like, oh, I heard you threw a party, you know? And so I was like, yep, yep, basically. But the biggest party we ever had was eight kegs. We went through eight kegs at our, we didn't, I was not in a fraternity. And so then that went on. That was like sophomore year and junior year was more of the same thing. And senior year, the first time, really started to calm down because everybody was leaving. And then I also started, like, I was getting older. And so my clientele ended up all, like, leaving Purdue. I remember freshman year that they they sit in the orientation week and they say, look to your right, look to your left. One of you three people will actually graduate from this university. So that's 33% of the incoming graduating freshman class will actually walk out the door.
0: Do you think that that's normal for colleges or is that just low at Purdue?
1: No, I think it's, I think it's normal normal because I, I mean, I don't really know. We can look at the statistics of all of this stuff, but that I do remember that's what took place and that's what we were told, but it's because I had 15 roommates, my time at Purdue. And what did I say? Like four of them graduated, graduated from Purdue.
0: So you and had a lower than average. Well, you in, were the
1: fifth in so. West Lafayette. I had a lot of of those roommates. They would they left the university. Let's see. I had four, four, and let's see, three in one house and one my second senior year. So basically, yeah, it's like they ended up being four or five. Room- I, had, I think maybe five roommates out of fifteen who actually graduated from Purdue University in West Lafayette. Other people left West Lafayette and went to get degrees from other colleges. Anyway. Or other places.
0: I feel like we're on a tangent.
1: Well, no, I'm just explaining the situation What went went down. So that was like, so yes, there was a lot of drugs that w- took place during that time and a lot of drinking and that drinking continued into career life. Once I started working at Philomora, so we would party on the weekends and that continued until I was about 28 years old.
0: And what was the moment like was there a moment for you when you decided to stop was it like a slow burn over time that it tapered off what was that like for you because because like in the recovery culture there's a lot of conversation about hitting bottom right so i'm curious did that occur for you or was it something else
1: i'm sure i hit bottom a lot of time i just never realized it so like i've never been to an 8a class i have never been to any cyber
0: (laughs) called meetings
1: Okay. I've never been to... (laughs) Clearly, I've never been to one. I've never been to an AA meeting, you know, and I've never... I didn't really know that they existed, honestly. And I don't know if I really knew I had a problem. So, to me, a person that had an issue with alcohol is someone that was drunk all the time. And why did I come up with this? Because the way the movies or TV or what you hear is alcoholism is something that somebody wakes up in the morning, starts drinking... Which is hilarious because I would do that on weekends and stuff. But then also, you just start drinking, you're drunk all the time. But to me, I never I didn't think I had a, an issue. And I can we can talk about what that what I started realizing when I started paying attention to how the issue developed. So first, there was also I was smoking cigarettes, I did a lot of drugs, and then I also drank, right? So origi- what ended up happening is I just decided that I wanted to stop smoking cigarettes. So I was working at Philamore getting free cigarettes but I wasn't oh, the irony <laughs> yeah so they give you free cigarettes so I just got to the point where I'm in a facility where you could smoke in the offices too this is in 2006 2007 2008 you could probably still do it now if you work in Philip Morris because once you're inside the building you there's a, the rules or whatever the company decides to make them so I just was like I'm tired of being around all the cigarette smoke so I just basically told myself I want to stop and it was probably I don't know about a year later six months to a year but I always had these little things that was like, it's time to stop doing this. But I never beat I, I never really beat myself up about it. I was just like, okay, I know I want to end this, this pattern. I know I want to end this habit. It's a matter of time. And, and then I just eventually stopped. And this was probably about a year and a half after I started working at Philip Morris. So I was about 28 or so years old.
0: Some people try their whole life to quit smoking and never can. Yeah. Why do you think you were able to just decide and stop?
1: I don't know. I can't answer that for everybody else.
0: No, I'm asking
1: for that. I know. So first off, it's addictive. It is proven science that cigarettes are a very addictive thing. But the one thing that I've realized with my drugs and my alcohol, and now it's food, right? I've been on a food journey over the last, like I've gotten fat and lost a ton of weight, then gained weight again. I'll speak for my fat for me, I should say like there, you know, there's a, everyone has their own, their own story, but like for myself and I'm not just saying that to really be negative on myself. Like, no, I put on more weight than I should be holding on to and it made me uncomfortable. Right. So it was not a good feel, but it, basically for me, I just ended up deciding that like I didn't want to do it anymore. It's and then like you just stopped. Yeah. I I really I I
0: just I want you to know that that's remarkable
1: well I guess so yeah yeah well thanks I yeah I just decided like it was time to end this because there's also other reasons there's also women that came into this picture right so let's talk about the ladies so the ladies were I had a girlfriend that didn't smoke she was like I don't want to smoke and I'm like okay so for me to be with her I just she didn't care I smoked it wasn't like her favorite thing but she was like she wasn't like i would say she wasn't a fan of it if i did it okay your
0: parents didn't smoke growing up right
1: they did not my grandparents did yeah well actually no my dad did
0: oh when did he quit
1: i don't know i feel like when i was a little kid i found a pack of smokes in his briefcase Mm -hmm. but he said he quit a long time ago these are issues these are things that my father has not these are those moments that you tell your kids that we'll talk about it when they get older well, I'm older now and we still haven't talked about it. So, you know, dad, if you're listening, you know, we can talk about this if you want to. I think your
0: dad listens to
1: our podcast. He, may, he might, he might not. And it's just like to hear the history of stories. And if it's something he wants to, you know, somebody wants to share or talk about. But I know my dad smoked. My mom did not. No. I mean, my mom's a beacon of perfect health. Like, it's crazy.
0: Michelle, she, <laughs> you are one vibrant lady.
1: She is. She operates on a good level. High level. High level and so, so with with so that was cigarettes alcohol was about the same thing i just like tired of there was there's an emotional thing that tied into this where but then weed. let's talk about the drugs let's the, talk
0: about drugs first and then yeah. we're gonna get to alcohol
1: okay go
0: what was so okay so smoking you just decided you wanted to stop so you did there were several reasons what was it with drugs why did you want to stop so now, like also just i just want to be clear it's like you were, you smoked weed. I know you did some other things, but it, it wasn't like you were a regular hard drug user. Like, I don't think we would categorize you as a drug addict.
1: No, recreational for sure.
0: Like just, so yeah. if
1: you take marijuana out of the situation and mariju you know, it's like, I have thoughts on marijuana, cannabis, the whole shebang, but so I've done cocaine probably 10 times and mushrooms, a f- few times it was, like, it was like more than it was like two or three and ecstasy two or three times and then just some pharmaceuticals like that really mess you up i don't even know what you do with these things they're like it was crazy that was like a really crazy experience and then just even pharmaceutical drugs itself is a category that a lot of my friends would get into and it happens a lot in college Adderall is way over prescribed for college students and people are sniffing it and just eating it like crazy I saw it all the time. So yeah, that I had handfuls of experiences in my four years of being, or five years being at Purdue. Most of all of those experiences took place before my first senior year. I had all of those before that. I stopped doing those because I just got to the point. I remember the last time I ever did cocaine, I was with a girl at the time's name was Stacy and I was dating Stacy. And I remember we did it at my house. This was my junior sophomore year. And we went out that night, and I was like, I had to go home because I was what they call coming down, and it's after the high; it's like really rough. And so she was like, "What's happened?" And I was like, "I don't know. I'm just sick." And like I didn't tell her the truth of what was going on, and I just lied. And I it like my morals kicked in, and I was when I I was like, I can't do this anymore because I'm first off, I don't feel great. I always wanted the experience they see in the Hollywood TV shows. Like I always went for, I never experienced it in that form. Now, of course, all of the stuff is experienced differently by people, right? Like some people experience things some way, other people experience it for other ways. So for me, it just didn't make me feel good. So I just was, got to the point where for myself doing these other substances, it got a little like freaked out, I should say because it's also not in a controlled environment right now colorado just legalized psychedelic mushrooms denver now if you're doing that in a very controlled environment you can have a different experience than something that you're just deciding to take yeah. it while you're wa- abu- like there's abuse have, right like
0: go on journeys with
1: oh yeah i went on a, like when i did psychedelics it was a, it was a, really good in time. a-
0: Sort of controlled environment with a facilitator yes, and it's like for sure yeah.
1: and i had a lot of people that experienced that and i also had a roommate in college that we were doing mushrooms with that freaked out you know and would run around the house and thought people were chasing him you know so
0: okay so yep. with drugs you just decided you were going to be it was the, the
1: same thing like it didn't feel great on what i expected but i also got serious about like i wanted to make money You know, like I wanted to start, I wanted to have a career. I worked jobs during this entire time of college. Like I had my business of selling drugs. In addition to the drug dealing. Yes. One day I have to pay my parents back for this, but because they were paying for school in some ways. And then I was also paying for myself, but I was making my own money to support myself. But I was also selling weed. So I had all these other side real jobs to basically make it look like I wasn't. All of my marijuana or drug selling business really went to like the bars. So I went to support my other habit of drinking, right? So there was <laughs> so crazy to think back on this, but no, it was, it got to the point where I just was like, I'm done with, because I, I was double majoring in school. So you asked about school. I was taking 18 to 21 credit hours every single semester from basically freshman year on. So for the last four years, we're pretty much, I was working, like I was in school nonstop. So 18 to 21 credit other hours. Than when you were drunk. Well, I was in I was in school a lot, it's so right? Hard I took a, for me
0: to imagine okay. how you could possibly do that course load because with the it's amount called, of partying. You it's did. called
1: functional alcohol. Well, also when you're in your twenties, you can literally do a lot, right? I and heard, your body, I know other people your can. body, for is very forgiving when you're in your twenties, yeah. especially your early twenties. But I had a full course load. I worked two to three jobs almost every se- single semester and then did
0: you ever do your homework
1: and then i did i did homework we got yeah. it done and then i also partied right so that was my life i didn't do extracurricular activities right, right. like there well, wasn't they just clubs. like
0: part of the college right
1: and so it was that was like the, yeah, that that was, was the drugs now do you want me to talk about the selling of the drug situation or no
0: well i wasn't even really expecting that to come up in this episode Oh, I feel like maybe we should do a whole other thing. But because what I also really want to uh, get Kate, to... Kate found
1: that really sexy when we got together. She was like, oh, he's smart with business.
0: I don't know that <laughs> I would have said that I found it sexy. Had you been currently running a business as a drug dealer when I met you, that would have been a deal breaker. Oh, yeah. However, because it was clearly in the past, I was like... I mean, and it's not like you were like... I mean, I think selling weed, given that it's going to be legalized in the United States, like, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, it's illegal, but like, I think alcohol is way worse. And the data is there that it's way mm-hmm. worse for humanity. I mean, it causes so many more deaths. Anyway, like, that's a whole, we, I'm sure we'll get into that. But like, to me, I was like, oh, this is a very enterprising, resourceful guy. Now, at our wedding,
1: i would just want to comment on what you said there that is okay. for another conversation for another topic but if you really look at why the war on drugs Star- i've watched a lot of documentaries on this and read a lot of books the government has been behind the scenes with a lot of importing of drugs into this country and a lot of exporting of weapons especially down in the central america regions it is very bad right and like what we have done with black men in this united states and how we have imprisoned them for very minor drug trafficking crimes for for profit prisons prisons systems because that it is it is way wrong
0: it's incredibly sick. it's
1: incredibly disturbing and sick when you look at the data and you give drive down if i was a black man and i've done the stuff i would have done i would be in prison for life basically Or very long time, but because I was a white man in Indiana and what I was able to do and get away from, and I had cops show up at our houses when we were selling, we had weed and like all sorts of stuff. And I had three roommates all selling drugs out of the same house. Like because of what, because I was a white dude in Indiana, we were able to get away with stuff that other people in other places are not able to. So building off what Kate said, this is why legalization of marijuana is a big topic right now and why it will be passed. It's just a matter of time, but it's like slowly states roll it out, and that's how change takes place. One state at a time, two states at a time, then the federal.
0: This is not what the topic is today, and you may not know the answer to this question. But obviously, it's important to talk about with the legalization of marijuana. What about all the people who are incarcerated due to marijuana-related incidents?
1: Well, if you're a big Andrew, if you're a big Andrew Yang supporter, like I am. Andrew Yang is running as a Democratic candidate for 2020 and he actually wants to let them all go. He's just going to let them all go. He's going to let them out of prison. On He's going to have a big celebration. On, don't you
0: on, think that's the only right answer?
1: It's the only right way for anybody that's in jail for a minor drug offense. It there's will change no other, the game like it gets people out of jail. There's they, no
0: other choice that's moral no, or fair. You, you can't, can't keep you can't. people locked up for something that's now legal.
1: No, I think we should this week go down the you are 100% correct. And it is the only way that makes sense. It's the only true human thing to do. To be like this country was wrong, but that's the conundrum. Is that correct? That we're currently in right now is actually looking at the stuff that has caused massive damage in the, in this country, and then admitting that we are incorrect about stuff, which is one thing I've had to do in my own life, right? Like with all of the stuff that we're mentioning right now, and we can talk more about that in a second, but like I've had to look at what I've gone through or what I've done from 1628. I don't remember a tremendous amount of what happened because I lived in a daze during this time, right? It was a lot of, I was in a lot of pain. I was burying this pain through substance abuse and I had to deal with it. And since I have become an adult, you know, and actually, Mature, somewhat mature human being to like look at the past of me to realize, you know what? Like when the Me Too movement hit, right, and ev- all that stuff was coming out. What was the biggest thing that you and I talked about? I was like, I really, I wish I could say that I didn't do anything bad to women, right? But the truth is, I don't remember. Yeah, you know. So there is probably there could be a woman listening to this. There could be women that are out running around the world that says like, Mike Watts did this to me when we were in college. And I don't remember because of being, and it's not an excuse, right? Like it's damage that I caused upon somebody else. And I, I really hope that did not happen, but it's, I don't have, I cannot definitely answer that. I did not abuse. Like, I don't want to say like physically or verbally, like any, I don't want to say I'm abusing women, but you it's just, just like,
0: uh, you just don't know.
1: I don't know. Right. So, and I a,
0: think a lot of men
1: for sure.
0: Would have to if they were being truly honest with themselves. Would have to say I actually don't know if I, I
1: anyone. Especially like oh, there was people asked me a lot of times why I didn't join a fraternity, and there was number one because I sold drugs. So like selling drugs in a fraternity is not a good idea. And but the
0: buying drugs as a, in a fraternity is probably just fine.
1: It's fine. Yeah, there was people in fraternities that would sell drugs. It's just like if you got caught, you get kicked out. But everybody knew was going on, right? So the one thing that I, and so this will go back to the men conversation that we we're just talking about is like, I remember I was working at a bookstore. My first job freshman year was a bookstore right across the street and I would come out at like 10 o'clock at night after everything was closed or nine o'clock or something and I would see all these guys running up and down the parking garage stairs and like yelling was happening, like all this yelling and I'm like, there was like 40 of them. Like, what are they doing? But it was a fraternity rushing and like if you're pushing inside of a, eternity at this level. Like what else is happening inside of these walls that nobody's talking about? But this stuff is happening now. It's being exposed. Fraternities are being shut down all the time because of what's going on inside these doors. But there is. There's a lot of men that have have, I'm sure, have had experiences and they don't remember. You know, and they don't recall it and they're able they got away with a lot of crap. Okay. That, has, that has hurt a lot of people.
0: So I would like to go back to your personal story if that's okay Mm -hmm. and just say okay so that was drugs and then what about alcohol what was the moment that you decided that you wanted to stop and how did you stop
1: well i was with you actually and do you remember this Mm -hmm. probably we were at gabby bernstein's new year's party when we were visiting on kind of our road trip during that time is the end of 2011 uh new years of 2012 and i remember walking home we had a great time it was awesome was at our apartment in downtown manhattan and we had a great time we're walking home and i remember i was getting mad at you and i don't know did you think i was mad at you like what was do you remember or
0: yeah i remember i wanted to spend the whole next day by myself because i didn't like how you were being
1: Right. And I was just like getting irritated walking home for no reason. And it like popped. And I wasn't, I was not drunk. No, I definitely was not drunk, but I was
0: maybe two glasses of, champagne. but I was
1: under the influence of alcohol. And so we're talking like two or three glasses of champagne. Right. And so then you mix that in with like cake or sugar, right? It just adds, it has a similar effect in, in some way. So you add all of that on top of each other. And I remember staring out the window, looking at the streets down below at this apartment we were staying at, which was huge because our friend let us stay in there's giant apartment and i remember just looking at these drunk women and girls walking home or it was guy it was a couple it was a it was a man and a woman and they had like other friends with them but they were like making tons of noise and like falling on the street and i'm just like wow i feel so embarrassed for them and then, so this also goes along with the story of when I was a bartender or I was a bouncer in, at, at this club called the Neon Cactus in at Purdue in West Lafayette. So this was out of college, right? So I was, when you and I were together, I was what, eight years ago. It was basically eight years ago. So I was 28 at this time. And we were just, I would look, remember looking out there to be like, I can't do this anymore. You know, like I, I can't think like this. I feel very foggy. I'm like losing my central nervous system. Like where I'm at, I'm upset with this girl that I'm traveling with. And I don't know why, like for no reason. And I'm like, was I got upset at you for something like we were just having a normal conversation at a good time. And I realized like my emotional stability of who I was, was out of check. And it finally clicked with, with that guy. So I met this guy in Starbucks a long time ago. It was probably 2010. And so. I think you've talked about this on the podcast. Yeah. And so he told me about the four pillars of the way the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual, these buckets. And when they're one out, out of the whack, like he knows he's got to fix it, right? If his spiritual's out of whack, he does whatever he needs to do breathe or pray or whatever. And so for me, I was like, at that time, my mental game was really off. And I noticed is when I'm using this, it's the same type of thing when I, the last time I smoked pot because that was in Colorado with my old roommate from Purdue who started growing weed when it became legal out there and had this amazing operation. Like it was, a, from an engineering perspective, it was unbelievable. So that was the last time I smoked weed with him. I felt the same thing when I smoked weed. I was like, I am like, I can't function. Like, I don't like this feeling anymore. So when I was with you, I just like, something had to change. And then I came home diane and i sat at your mom's place we had a dinner and that was basically the last time i drank alcohol because it was like february and we we her and i love drinking champagne together it's like amazing thing and we just had a, a glass of champagne but i just knew because i also knew i was running out of money like we were starting this like kind of partnership together and you also weren't a big so that it goes back to women, the women. Whereas, like I'm with you, you're not really that big of a drinker. So I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? I, I'm right, like,
0: I'm less than not really that big of a drinker.
1: Oh no, correct, right? You, you do not. You really. I think this year, I don't even think you've had a glass.
0: You, I think I've had no alcohol. No in alcohol. You've had well, you've I had think.
1: kombucha, right? Okay. So I've had kombucha, and kombucha has an effect on me in a way as well. Like I notice when I do have it that if I have it like during the day, I'm like, I don't like this, you know, I like the way I feel. So it was that moment where I was just like, I got to change the, what I'm doing here. And I know going to alcohol is not the answer. So to answer people's questions that they might have about like the perception of going to a bar or out to dinner with people and how do you feel? I don't care. Like I literally don't care. I go to parties. I don't drink. I go out with people. I don't drink. I go to restaurants. I get water. You know, it's like we go to parties, I just get water. We go to a bar with friends, I just, I order water. Yeah,
0: I mean, I've been a non-drinker for so yeah. long, it's really but not there's a thing. I've
1: heard this a lot from people who are, that have been in a situation when, like what I'm sharing now. And they're like, well, what do you do when you go out to friends? Like, it's who cares? Like it's Well,
0: I will say, though, having been a non-drinker for so yeah. long, here's what's interesting. I'm always very wary of the people who have a problem with me not drinking. Oh, yeah. Because if somebody else cares, that tells me about their relationship mm-hmm. with alcohol, not my relationship correct. with alcohol. Correct. That's correct. And listen, everyone has a different relationship with alcohol. I come from a family of alcoholics. So mm-hmm. growing up in my family, I'll never forget this. I was 10 years old and I came home from my little friend's house down the street and I said to my parents, oh, I won't say who it was, I'll say Libby. Her name was not Libby. I'm going to go with Libby, though. Libby's parents just told her that her grandmother is an alcoholic. Do you believe that they just told her that? And they'd been keeping a secret. And I was 10 years old. And I didn't know this at the time, but my mom was, like, kicking my dad under the table because they'd been covering up my grandmother's alcoholism our entire lives. Hmm. We would go, we would be on our way to go to Kenny Bunkport for the weekend and we would get a call that Grammy had fallen and we would cancel the trip. And I mean, I won't go into all the stories from my dad's childhood, but so my parents were really honest about alcohol addiction and well, starting when I was 10, which I think is actually an age appropriate time to start talking Mm -hmm. about it. And my mom was always really would talk to us about the fact that, (laughs) I mean, this is, you know, there's pros and cons to having been raised by my mother. But one of the pros is that she really, you know, so many of her patients were adult children of alcoholics. So this was like in her practice, big time, actually doctors in general have a much higher percentage of being adult children of alcoholics Hmm. than other professions. So, she would talk about that people use substances to not feel the things that they don't want to feel. And I was always hyper aware of that. I mean, as kids, right. We're so literal. So I remember, and my sister and I both have talked about this, that like if we were ever in high school or in college drinking, we would like check in with ourselves to be like, is there something I'm not want? Am I trying to avoid feeling something right now? (laughs) Or am I just like at a party (laughs) You know, and to be honest, I could just never get away with drinking. I felt like such crap the next day. You know, alcohol is a depressant and it also makes our anxiety worse. So, Laura McCowan, who's one of the writers who I follow on Instagram, who talks a lot about sobriety, I also follow Holly Whitaker and her work at The Tempest. I follow Africa Brook. I follow Aiden Donnelly Rowley and Dry Life, the, or Dry, Dry Life Club, I think, is her. Website I follow Tell Better Stories. So these are some great Instagram yep. accounts. If you're also Ruby Warrington, she talks about being sober curious. So by the way, I just also want to say there's like, I think a whole spectrum of relationship with alcohol. I don't think that you have to identify as an alcoholic in order to have a problem with alcohol or in order to consider that maybe it's not like maybe it's an energetic drain that you don't need even if you don't
1: have a problem with it
0: right so there's like a whole no
1: it's 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 the same it's the same with food it's the same with shopping it's the same with yes there's a whole spectrum it's like well i mean gary v's a guy i've been following for a long time i mean he used he sold 60 million dollars with alcohol in his family's liquor business but he doesn't have a problem with alcohol like he barely drinks like at least that you see i mean he's documenting his entire life You know but he definitely he has a he has a relationship that it's just like it's a it's like eating food for him yeah it's like where it's like it's a a very healthy healthy relationship relationship.
0: yeah and I do believe it's possible to have a healthy relationship with with alcohol but I just could never like so I have a, a tendency towards anxiety I actually was on anxiety meds in college and anytime I drink more than half a glass of wine the next day I really hate my life and I don't hate my life. I actually love my life. So every time it happens, I'm like, Oh, this is alcohol. Like Mm -hmm. this is not me. This is alcohol because it's a depressant. It messes your chemistry. Laura McCowan says drinking alcohol is like pouring gasoline on your anxiety. Yeah. And that is also true. I also just want to say that more and more as I've been following the conversation online and the conversation has been growing, I'm very skeptical and I always have been, but I just love the conversation happening on these different accounts. I'm very skeptical of the way that alcohol is marketed, especially towards women, especially towards mothers. Mm -hmm. So the whole mommy wine culture thing, like I drink because my kids cry or the giant sippy cup full of wine. It's really gross. It's really gross, like rosé all day. And there was a really interesting post that I saw of, it was like a meme about being, you know, I'm gluten-free and dairy-free and non-GMO and all organic and whatever, but rosé all day. And just like the the sort of mismatch that we can have around like being really attuned to health and what we put in our bodies and then drinking ethanol. <laughs> Yeah. Which is highly toxic. And listen, I mean, I also, I drink some kombucha. Like I eat sugar, you know, Mike and I, when we go to the movies, we put the 25 cents in and we get M&Ms, you know, so we have a little handful of m and So
1: Mike and Ike's. I'm a Mike, Mike does Mike, Mike. and Ike's, yeah. but they
0: didn't have them the other day. So you I did m ms I'm an M&M girl. But anyway, so I'm just saying like, it's not like I consider myself completely like clean living. No we're, um, not, we're not
1: preaching here I'm not like, preaching not, But I
0: think it's just like I basically wanted to have this conversation Because I think your relationship with substances Is really interesting In that you didn't really go through recovery Like you decided to stop And then you did Which is a I mean I don't know I don't know how unusual in a way, it is But I think it's kind of unusual
1: I mean I feel like I don't know what the definition of like The AA version of recovery is But I've definitely been on a journey you right, you're right. Like, i shouldn't so, say
0: you didn't go through recovery i should say you didn't go through aa
1: i didn't go through a like official recovery i just went through myself your own journey dealing with my crap <laughs> i yeah. guess you could say so yeah and it was i mean it, this is not all peaches and roses like i went to jail twice right like from alcohol one was a dui and this was in college no, it's and the,
0: really scary you could have killed somebody
1: yep And the other one was I passed out on some dude's front porch when I was visiting my, I was in Valparaiso and I was visiting my parents and I walked home from a bar because the truth was I didn't want to call anyone because I was so afraid to get in trouble for drinking from like the fear that was built in from my, let's just, I mean, it was the direct truth is like, it was from my parents where it's like, you don't do that. Because if there was anything to be like, if you go out and you get too drunk, just call me. Like, I don't know. I don't know if they ever said that or I didn't listen. But I mean, for myself, there was so much fear built in. So it made more sense for me to walk across town, go get my car and drive home, then go to bed. Right. Like under the where hopefully they didn't notice, but I only made it halfway passed on some dude's front porch and then the guy woke me up and i went inside his house i locked him out of his own house he had to go around the back to let me in the house and the cops came but then they arrested me for possession and paraphernalia because i had a pipe and weed on me and they let everything else go but the cause that that happened was not because of weed the cause was that because i went out i was wasted right like and so it was those weren't bottom experiences for me right that happened when i was 21 years old So it's not like...
0: And you drank for another seven years. And I
1: drank for another six, seven years and did drugs for as well during that time. So it was like it had to evolve in my own pace, but I always knew career. Like the vision I had for my life was bigger than when I was wasted. It was bigger than having... What ended up happening was like Kate and I were driving, that experience that I shared about New Year's. But what really went down before that was I went on a a basically a, a bender in Phoenix. I was living in Phoenix and I went out partying for five days in a row into a marketing conference. And this was, I was 27 years, 28 years old. And we went out five days, so I went out five days. It took me seven days to recover, to completely feel normal again after this. And it was like, I haven't done that in a long time. I mean, my biggest, you hadn't done that i a haven't long time. i had not done you also that. haven't done that in a long time but at that time i mean like a, exactly. something that extreme the most extreme i ever did was 18 days in a row in college so i would just wake up we would drink i would drink to feel better i would go to the class you know like it's gross i left class twice and i remember the same class like a week apart and i threw up in the bathroom and then came back to class it was three o'clock in the afternoon because I was still hungover from the night before. But after I got out of the class, we were ready to go because I felt better. You know, it's just like disgusting stories that I've endless. I could tell endless stories of on this, but like you I want to, on...
0: You have to sparse those out for me because okay. I guess yeah. I'm already getting sick to my stomach. That's
1: okay. And so I just went on this five day bender and I felt horrible and it took me seven days to recover. And I, at that time I was like, I cannot do this anymore because I was building. I, that's when I started building the business. I was building it for about a year and you know, that was the whole reason for the marketing conference. But I'm in Phoenix and I'm just like, what am I doing? You know, I had a lot of time to think. And then I lost like my joy or purpose of life. So I, I watched every episode of Seinfeld to laugh again. And then I watched every episode of Entourage to like get the vision again of like creating something. You know, even it was like this monster car and whatever and the house and stuff for the Entourage HBO documentary. And it just it's like not a got me. Well,. <laughs> It was originally created based off Mark Wahlberg's life. But anyway, it's a TV show. And then it ended up happening where I was just like, I'm going to stop all of this stuff. So I stopped going on dates. I stopped going partying. I just kind of hung out with myself. And then I was like, wrote down on... This is when I wrote down on a list about like, what do I want in my life? Like, I want to create a business. What kind of woman do I want in my life? And I wrote all these things down. And then within two months is when you... it was This was in November of 2010. And then basically it was like you know in those next two months is kind of when everything kind of cleared itself up and then we started traveling together and you asked me to go on the road trip and it changed but it still it didn't change at that moment right like i just went on this huge drinking binge but then it, i kept i stopped drinking like about a year later officially but you
0: when we were on our road trip just i was pretty much fair, cleaned up yeah. you didn't drink because no, i because didn't, you didn't drink, drink so we just it wasn't like well, well we i also we,
1: didn't have any money and alcohol didn't. eating out was expensive <laughs> right like you want to save money, stop drinking at restaurants. Like it's expensive. And so I knew that when we were going out, but it changes like to be in a state where you think we need, or like to, for me to believe that I needed alcohol, even like when we first started having sex, right? Like to this day, it's much better, but early on our relationship, most of the, like the experience I ever had with women was I was drunk. Right. So now I'm not drinking and then having intimate relations with you. Right. Like, you didn't know we were going down this path, but like in my own head, like I have my own thoughts now, like before when you're wasted, like you just don't, you're not thinking about anything. Right. Like you're just in the moment that it's there, but now there's thoughts going through your head and like, how do I do this when I'm not wasted? Like, how do I be in an intimate relationship with a woman when I'm not drunk? And that has taken a long time for me to reprocess my life or because then you start the vulnerability comes up. I start thinking about myself. I start thinking about shame. I start thinking about these feelings. I start dealing with issues of that come around like this is in the like just being in the bedroom and what that's like. Be like, I've never done this. You know, and then you start, but that happens in all aspects of my life that I've experienced. This happens within business. That happens when you look in the mirror in the morning and like, who's the guy that's going to be there? Like, so it's all of these things as I've experienced to stop drinking that has, it has forced me to really become a better person for myself and to become and to learn and to change and grow. That was my whole skin journey last year was about more growth. And it's like i was texting with or i was emailing with somebody the other day i'm like i'm so sick and tired of growth why do i always have to grow like why can't i just be here like why do i have to you know and so it was it was a joke that we had going back and forth where it's like this constant evolution of growth it's, it's
0: exhausting it is exhausting growth is exhausting and like when you choose a life of being awake most of the time it's like oh man
1: and it's, it's a lot it's, it's, it's a, a lot. lot
0: to pay attention to be conscious it's a lot yeah and you know it's not for the faint of heart to be sober and awake
1: correct and that's it's the a biggest lot. and
0: i can really see why a lot of people check out don't choose that
1: yeah and it's and hard no, listen
0: i check out in my own ways i i yep. have my own numbing behaviors they just happen to not be we all do
1: They're, the escapism is real for everyone yeah and so we just do it in a different, I mean, now I do it in different ways than I did when I was drinking or smoking. But certainly
0: less harmful ways,
1: I would say. I think technology is a harmful thing.
0: It is, but like you're not at But risk it's not of a physical,
1: somebody. that is correct. I'm not drinking and driving in a That's car. That's what I'm saying. Right? So.
0: And also you're not killing brain cells by smoking weed all day. Yes. Now, we, I don't know about killing brain cells by being on technology. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It, I don't know that we have... But I
1: feel that. like they're... I mean, the biggest... Like, it's been a journey for myself. And I now I can... Now I'm very open to seeing because my family on... Especially on my dad's side has an issue with alcohol. My cousins... I don't really know about my grandfather or anybody besides that. And, like, I don't... have never talked to this about my, my own parents about it, you know? But I do know... Like they enjoy beverages. My mother is much more like you where it's like every once in a while. And I know my dad has had it. Like when we go out to dinner or we have this or he has it at home or used to before he used to have it every night, you know? And, but now I don't see that that often anymore. So I don't know. He's on his probably his own journey around this. And then it was like my brother and my sister. I remember my brother told me that he didn't want to be like me because they watched me being very destructive in high school and college. And now my brother, I know he's been on his own journey with it afterwards, not in a bad way, you know, but just whatever social environment. And because a lot of times in, cause I also think it's hard when you're young because it's like the cool thing to do when you're in high school, there's a lot of pressure and he didn't want to, cause he ran cross country. So he didn't want to hang out with a lot of people cause he didn't want to go down that route. And I know he had a hard time in college cause it was the same thing, you know, for him. And so for me, it was the way to get friends or it was the social, not get friends, but I had friends in many environments. But the truth is, like, they weren't real relationships back in the day. I don't speak to anybody that I used to go party with in college, really. Like, there's one or two people, and I don't see them that often, and we talk once a year, once or twice a year. But, like, those, it wasn't sustainable, especially since I had 11 or 15 roommates and 11 of them left, you know? And so there was things that, I wasn't proud of. There's things that I have done that's not been great. Like I wasn't happy to go to jail twice because of these instances. I'm just grateful it wasn't more because it could have very easily been, especially when we were selling pounds of pot out of our house. And like, well, yeah, it was, it could have been a lot more.
0: I also think it's really important that you acknowledged that due to your privilege, like your profound privilege is why we're even sitting here.
1: Today. Oh, for sure. And I understand like, I mean, one thing is like you hear this a lot around what black fathers have to teach their sons, um, and black mothers, and black mothers have to teach their black sons about what that experience is like with cops. And if you think we're crazy, like just turn on the news; like it happens all the time. Well, and even also today,
0: also the show which we have not watched yet, but the new
1: when you see me that new Netflix show that came out. Yeah, and yeah. there's a lot. I mean, like the Thirteenth Amendment is a Netflix show that's fantastic. Like. Also, I, mean, I would really read but,
0: Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Yeah.
1: There's endless I mean, like if you want anything we can dive into here. I know that feeling of seeing a cop and being freaked out about what's gonna happen to you. Like I have a friend of a man of color who wouldn't go he was afraid to like go around Trump signs in yards when we were on vacation together because of the fear of what that sign means in so many ways, right? And so he was scared to like be with it walking down the street with his daughter to take a walk and i was like wow you know but i i know what that feeling is like for me even today when i see a cop behind me i freak out
0: okay okay
1: hold on and so the only you can tell the story i know what you're gonna say and it's true to this day because i used to carry pounds of pot in my car and i knew if i got pulled over that i was screwed You know, so I lived with a fear of police for a long time because also I know about police planting things like there's a lot of darkness that comes with also police officers as they're trying to do good. But there's also a lot of darkness there because there's a lot of power. It's a lot of undeserved power that they hold. And so I would see this at college and then i would also feel it at college because i would be carrying these substances which was technically against the law right but then i was possibly go to jail and this has gone on this is something i still carry with when i see cops to this day i lock up like i get anxious because i'm afraid like i don't have weed in the car like i'm not gonna get pulled out like i'm not gonna go to jail but you can tell the story which i know you're gonna share.
0: i was with mike when he got pulled over for the first time and got his first speeding ticket like
1: two years ago or three years
0: ago it was longer than It's before we had kids oh yeah but it was hilarious to watch you i mean i felt bad but you getting a speeding ticket you spiraled out like it was the worst thing that had ever happened meanwhile i have had a bajillion <laughs> speeding tickets now i'm not like a reckless driver by any means but but, like, I don't know. Like, to me, it's just not that big of a deal. I haven't had a speeding ticket by for the for the record in over six years. But it was just like such an interesting thing to be like, you have gone to jail. You have sold drugs. Like, getting a speeding ticket. It's just so interesting how you really spiraled out and you went into a deep like shame place about it it was really interesting to witness and it's just like was such a great example that there's what's happening to us and then there's our response to what's happening Mm -hmm. to us and they are very often very very different things just based on our own mindset and beliefs my mindset and belief system was that getting a speeding ticket is not that big of a deal and your mindset and belief system was that it was the end of the world
1: right because it's not really about the speeding ticket it's all of this other baggage that has been built up for the last 15 20 years of my life
0: about the police
1: about the police and in that moment and then there's a little fear about like the all the crap that people t- the, the insurance is going to go up there's this and then you're going to get the license taken away you're going to get points on your license all this stuff i mean i don't know if it matters but like it's just all the fear that people portray on you or that has been portrayed on me as going into this but a lot of it comes from my interactions that have been running with cops and avoiding cops and running away from cops and just anxiety around the popo so even in high school we were running from parties when cops would show up yeah you know so it's been a, I'll just say, I'll just leave it with this because this is a crazy story and it's my story. And it's like, there's way crazier. Like we didn't talk about a lot today, which is, which is fine. But the, I would just say like when it comes to substances, cause I know why Kate wanted to like, you wanted to sh- me to share my journey with this, but well,
0: I also just wanted uh-huh. to talk about it because I've been listening to these conversations online. I wanted you to share your journey, but also I wanted to talk about it with our community because it's a really important thing to pay attention to our relationship with substances and just to say like, does this feel good in my body? Am I living the kind of life I wanna live? Is it possible that there might be more for me? And there's a term called sober curious. And I would just say like, if anything we've been talking about pushes your buttons, it might be something to explore.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I would—it's just like to look at what I ended up doing a lot of during this time was to, cause I I just now I watch people a lot, especially concerts. When we're going out, you know, I went to a concert, a Steve Aoki concert. I watched three people just collapse to the ground around me, Mm -hmm. and it's like super disturbing, and I feel really bad for these kids. And now they don't even now it's like even pharmaceuticals is a huge fear for me because of what I used to do. And it's like, I don't, I mean- now
0: Mike won't even take like an I won't Advil. even take Tylenol.
1: I, I haven't, the last, it was just like, I don't put anything in my body that's not supposed to be there. Well, besides like a bar of chocolate, but like the, when it comes to drugs yeah, health or- health benefits. Yeah, <laughs> there, that's good. I like the, the twist on that. Dark chocolate, of course. But it's like, I don't take Advil, Tylenol, like nothing. Because besides it was the oral... St- look, look what happened when I like trusted myself with steroids instead of dealing with my emotions last year and what I went through, right? Like that was the first time I've taken pharmaceuticals and probably my shoulder surgery from recovering from that. But it was like, I'm, I know what my, my habits and how easily that the addictions can come. And so it's very... That I have to be very careful for what I'm putting in my system. And the more, the more and more I've become careful with putting in my system because I notice little things now, you know, like the Topo Chico, even Spindrift, like that sparkling water, like I'll drink that and I feel guys, off, guys. No, just
0: you've got to be really careful with the Spindrift <laughs> because you know there's like a dash of real raspberry <laughs> juice in there Which you like? and it'll get you it'll get you <laughs> no but it's <laughs> that's what fine what is wrong with the that's topo fine. chico
1: well i just like i notice it at certain times where i drink it and i don't feel good oh right so it's just i know what i love it is when i'm hot you topo chico is delicious are a
0: delicate flower now i understand
1: now i understand why it's such an enjoyable mexican beverage because when you're in mexico it's, it's freaking hot and the topo chico is delicious when you're austin i got drink like four of those a day but up here i'm like you know what it doesn't do me i'll drink it after i work out if i've been outside it's hot it tastes good but it's just like those little sks making fun of me about the spit and drift but it, 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 it it's crazy because i'll have these things and i notice like it alters my chemistry of my brain and I feel all like flighty. And I get that what happened what I noticed the most is when I get agitated. It's like what happened with me and alcohol back when you and I left New Year's is I can tell with food it happens the same way. And I'll spiral hardcore and it's like oh that's interesting to know about. And I just think like as like Kate said is like to close this pod this episode out. It's like if there's any intrigue like it's there's just things in your life that you want to change it's like look at the patterns of what has been created up to this point because there's a lot of dynamics right do we go home for holidays and we drink more like everybody parties around holidays because we don't want to deal with our issues a lot of times right it's like let's get all and so now it's like our holidays it's so funny they have like bar minimums i remember we we reserved a place we reserved a place in new york for like a gathering and they had a bar minimum and we're like crap you remember this oh and this has w- happened
0: to me so many we, times in my life because i also have a tendency to hang out with non-drinkers with people that are drink and i have ended up paying we for pay nothing the bar minimum. at the end of the night right because no one got enough drinks
1: right nobody drank enough so it's more ended times up, than yeah. i can say so it's just to the place where i mean whether it's substance whether it's alcohol or marijuana or food i like a marijuana cracks me up because i'll be like there's people that want to smoke weed because it's more legal now i'm like there's very few snoop dogs in the world that can just smoke weed all day and like become famous rappers but they were they also are probably have a team of people that are like getting their appointments yeah, the on snoop time dog is right? not like, a good
0: example no, of somebody it's
1: to no like it's model not model your life no no, no, no but it's the same as like when i listen to country music it's all about drinking when you like it's like you go to raves and you're supposed to get all messed up and it's like how do i have a good time where i'm not all jacked up right so it's just count the ways i mean the biggest thing that (laughs) i have is like how do i for me it's like to to deal with the vulnerabilities of going to a wedding and not having beverages and to think that i have to go dance on the dance floor when i don't really know how to dance but when you're drunk you think you're the best dancer on the planet right and so it's just like i kind of just you just live in that you just take a deep breath and go for it, you know? And so for me, everything has been better just to cut these things out of my life. Like I couldn't imagine the type of dad that I would be if I still drank, it would be miserable. We'd probably not be married. Number one. And you were just like, I got to get out of here. Like this is, and it's not from a, well, just i have left be so, relationships
0: before because of alcohol. Yeah. So like we wouldn't have even ended up.
1: I have too. Yeah. Because I've been to lunch with on dates in these, it's like, I I distinctly remember a girl I went on a date with in Arizona and we, this was our first or second date or something. And we went out to lunch. I got a beer. She got a wine and it was like flipping a switch. She was a really great girl. Like we were hanging out with a great woman to conversation. She had like half a glass of whatever she was drinking and became so mad and just like yelling at me in the middle of the restaurant and i'm like what is going on here like this is crazy and i dropped her off and i was like i can't hang out with you like and i know the same thing has happened with me in circumstances so it's just to pay attention to uh, the behavior and that's what i've just really learned to do and which is why i know those substances have no place for me at this stage right and i don't see myself ever going back to drink alcohol or like to do hardcore drugs again you know I've been i recently I've been like oh what would it be like to smoke weed again huh that sounds kind of fun but it's like it's fun in theory but I don't have any desire to go like there's no desire to go do it right so it's just I think it's being smart with for me it's doing what's been best for me you know and you learned this a long time ago awesome yeah thanks what a journey
0: well thanks for listening folks
1: yeah thank you if you like this episode you can share it Oh yeah Oh yeah We could tell people Okay
0: Definitely subscribe Definitely leave us a review That helps more people Get access to this information And more people find the show And if this episode Was impactful for you Go ahead Screenshot it on your phone Share it in your Instagram stories Tag me At Kate Northrup Tag Mike At Mike J. Watts We want to hear from you We also want to hear Just what's resonating with you what you want to hear more about, what you want to hear less of, we'd love to know.
1: Yeah. We for are sure. here.
0: Yes, we enjoy doing this, but we are really here for you. So keep us posted. Doors closed today for our Do Less Immersion course. You can head over to katenruth.com forward slash course to learn about that. Thanks for listening. Bye. I am so excited to tell you that my new book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time and Energy Management, is now out. You can get the book along with a workshop on how to set boundaries and say no, and a workshop on how to apply the 80-20 rule to your life so you can get 80% more results with only 20% of the work, plus two Maven Masterclasses over at katenorthrop.com forward slash book. And the book is available anywhere books are sold. Get your copy of Do Less.